My tagline is your voice heard through the written word. That is what I provide for my clients when I engage them in content writing, blog writing, other marketing collateral that they need in the written word. From pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, it's the Communication Commandments, a presentation of Boston Edits. Now here's your host, Kim Calvey. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today to another segment of Communication Commandments. Joining us today, we have another great guest, Mr. Chris Shepler of Fiduciary Trust Company, who will spend time sharing with us what he is known for in his business because we have a lot of listeners who are charitably inclined. So let's launch right into it. Chris, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Kim. Good to be here. So now you're known as the endowment expert, and I know how you came by that moniker because we have collaborated previously. But can you please share why that's appropriate? Well, sure, Kim. I've been in the investment business for over 25 years. I've worked with private wealth individuals, pensions, and endowments and foundations. And one of the things I've found is that if you're an endowment or foundation below a certain size, as many are in this area, that it's hard to get good investment advice. Mm-hmm. And having worked at some larger institutional consulting organizations that work with some of the most sophisticated endowments and foundations in the world, I made it my mission to bring some of the best practices from the, the, the big players to a segment of the market that, frankly, is, is underserved. Oh, I see. Okay. So then you work for Fiduciary Trust Company, which I know is technically a bank. And as we've established, you work with nonprofit institutions, helping them to achieve their financial and charitable goals. And that, that is one of your prime focus areas. But so it's clear to our listeners, though, can you share what it is that Fiduciary Trust Company is known for? Yeah, I think what's important is the fact that we're independent. Mm. We're not part of a big conglomerate. We don't have a lending business that could get us into trouble like some of the banks you've seen in the news recently. And by, by being independent, it means that we don't have any product to push. So we're, we don't make money by selling product to our clients. We make money as a fiduciary, which means that we have to align our interests with our clients and do what's right by them. Mm-hmm. That's, how we, that's how we get paid, and that's how we make sure that things work out best for our clients. I see. Okay, very good. So then you take care of looking at after your clients' interests, and that must really resonate with your endowment institution clients, um, especially the people that you speak to, like the board members or the treasurers. But can you give a context to the type of project that you work work on? Sure. Well, give it, I'll give you an example. There's a great charity that has a fabulous donor base. They do great work. And they recently sold a conservation easement, which resulted in a multi-million dollar windfall. Oh, now, wow. they've, they've never had an endowment before. Mm-hmm. So the question was what to do about it. That's where I get a call. And the work with them is first to understand, well, what is the purpose of this money going to be? What are we going to do with it? How is it going to supplement your operations? And then figuring out, well, they didn't know how to create an investment committee to oversee the money. So that's the next thing we work on is the governance of, of the endowment. And then figuring out what their, what their values are, what's important to them, and what their overall financial situation is. And only then could we write down a full investment policy statement that encapsulated everything that was important that includes a strategic asset allocation that's meant to satisfy the spending needs and sure. according to their risk tolerance, et cetera. That, that's the foundational document that we, we manage by. And so the point there is it's not just about the investments. It's about everything about the organization holistically that goes into that, into that process. And, and that's really where we add value. 
I see. Okay. So does the program apply just to new clients or just to existing endowments that need fiduciary oversight? And, and, and honestly, do, do most, though, do they do clients come to you with a clear idea or is a large part of your involvement to help them realize what the, their objectives should be to maximize the foundation? Yeah, it's a good point because the majority of clients who come to us already have an investment committee, already probably have an investment policy statement, but maybe it hasn't been reviewed in a long time. Mm-hmm. And so when we onboard a new client, we put them through this entire process of saying, what is the organization all about holistically? And in fact, I'll give you an example uh, of an existing client that we did that for because to show that we eat our own pudding here, we'd had a long time client mm-hmm. that had an investment policy statement, but the board had had enough turnover that none of the people who were there at the time they adopted that investment policy were still on the board. Oh. And so I felt that there wasn't necessarily proper buy-in from the members of the board and that we needed to put them through the process. So we did from the beginning, understand the organization holistically. What's the purpose of the money? How much are they spending? What are the values of the organization? What's an appropriate asset allocation to sustain it? Mm-hmm. And and then we put, we kind of, we made some tweaks, but ultimately put back into place an investment policy statement that would be sustainable for their mission. I see. Okay. Now, so you mentioned the word sustainable and thank you for making that distinction because I know when I hear the word sustainability and a lot of other people do too, they think of environmental, social and governance, which has a, which has been a huge trend in recent years. Does that factor into the programs that you design for your clients? And, and if so, can you please explain what that is and how you've been able to advise your clients to incorporate that into their investment program? Yeah, this is really important when it comes to endowment and foundation investing. You mentioned ESG or environmental, social, and governance investing, which is being, being aware of and considering factors that that might matter to you as an organization that might, might be part of your values that might, you might care about the environment or social issues or governance issues and is different for every organization. In fact, it might be different for multiple board members within the same organization. Oh. So what, okay. what we do is we have a process of discovery where we try to appreciate what is important to the organization. I, I mean, a, a basic example is we have uh, one client that's a, a school that we have a foundation and they don't allow any tobacco stocks in their portfolio. And that stems back to not wanting kids smoking in school and not wanting to support tobacco in general. That's, that's an easy example. We have another, another example is we have an endowment fund that's in the parks and recreation business supporting a green conservation spaces. And they really have to struggle with how can they be true to their values as a green organization, but does that mean they're allowed to own fossil fuel companies in their portfolio? And that's a, it's a real question because in 2022, with the, the Russian invasion and the price of oil going through the roof, oil companies were some of the best performing stocks in the market. And if you were concerned about contributing to the fossil fuel industry and therefore didn't own oil companies, you might have missed out on some of that in 22. So it, it, it's a delicate balance you have to have to find where what's important to the organization and what are the ramifications of, of applying those values into your portfolio. So we work with the, the investment committees, the boards to really drill down into what's important and what's it worth to them to express those values in their portfolio. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, then, so obviously you're a very good listener because you have to take in all of that information when you meet with your different clients. Obviously, every organization has its own set of values, which might be similar from organization to organization, but generally they're very different. And then you must have to keep your ear to the ground in terms of what's going on in the market so that the program that you recommend to your clients 
covers all those bases, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So that must lend itself well to learning who the stakeholders are and if they're major donors, correct? Yeah, exactly. When we think of who the stakeholders are of an organization, certainly it's going to be the investment committee because they have ultimate responsibility or the, or the board. Mm-hmm. But the stakeholders go beyond that. Certainly there could be senior staff members like the executive director and finance director. But let's not forget about the donors. Mm-hmm. And many people listening to this podcast probably are, are donors to some sort of charitable organization. And when you think about giving money to an organization that fulfills a mission that you care about, mm-hmm. Do they also invest the money that you give them in a responsible way, in a sustainable way, and in a way that's aligned with those values that you support? Mm-hmm. And so we we will work with the organization to make sure that how they structure the portfolio is going to be conducive to raising assets. So I talk to people who are in the fundraising business, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they appreciate knowing that if there's an investment advisor who really has a, a robust platform but that also incorporates the values that their donors care about, mm-hmm. that makes it easier for them to, to raise money. You mentioned schools, and I know, you, I know you deal with like libraries and arts and culture, but what are some other verticals that you work with? Who else are your clients? And you know, are you bound by geography even? Right. So we work really across the spectrum in the charitable landscape. We have schools, religious institutions, cultural institutions like museums and libraries. We have, we seem to have a niche in the nursing home space, okay. nursing homes, but not only do we have multiple nursing home clients that have endowment funds, but also I, I sit on the board of a, of a nonprofit nursing home in the Boston area and, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm responsible for our endowment as the treasurer of that organization. So it's, it's across the board and really any charitable organization that has assets to be managed and, and steward for the long term. Mm-hmm. There's no geographical limit. We really work uh, across the uh, across the country, and it, but I'd say the the one the one area where I, I would limit is in the size. The really large institutions, again, I've worked in this space. They can hire investment consultants that only work at the the highest end. Where where I can bring some of those best practices to an underserved market is really below 50 million, even below 30 million, okay. where you're not big enough to, to get the attention of the big consultants, mm-hmm. but you still need good advice, you still need good help, and you still want a portfolio that reflects your values. Yeah, because there's still a substantial amount of money there that has to be looked at. And like you said, there's got to be a custodial stewardship. That's right. Right. Okay. So now because of the breadth and depth of your experience, in particular your endowment experience, are you are you open to speaking engagements to nonprofits? Well, I am. Uh, I've speak, spoken at a, a few different types of uh, events. Uh, one certainly is investment conferences where the topics are all about investing for nonprofits, but also at uh, charitable forums where you're dealing with issues that are important to nonprofits in the area that go far beyond investments. And I can be the person who talks about that issue at a broader charitable conference. And in particular, talking with, I mentioned fundraisers, mm-hmm. How can you position your your nonprofit best to your donor base? And that includes being able to show them that there's a sustainable investment plan in place. So yes, I'm open to speaking. I'm also I also work directly with charities themselves, mm-hmm. and I do what we call donor engagement. Oh, where right. if there's a really large donor who really wants to appreciate, okay, if I'm making this large donation to the to the institution, I want to make sure that I understand the investment program and we can engage directly on that. I see. Okay, well, that's actually a nice segue into my next question for you because I was wondering, so conversely then, do you yourself work with private donors? Like let's say somebody gets a, a, a large inheritance from a relative and they're, they're like, this is a lot of money and, and I have my own personal you know, core values and my own personal charitable interests. Do you, do you get phone calls like that? 
Yeah, in fact, we, we do work on the donor side quite extensively, and it's all under the banner of FT Charitable. On so the website? That's on our website, okay. yes. And we have a section for the institutions themselves, the nonprofits. We also have a section for the, the individuals, the donors, mm-hmm. and the foundations who make the donations to the charities. In the case of in the case of donors, we have multiple options for them to consider. And in terms of how they make their, their donations, we can help consult on the best vehicle. People make donations for all kinds of reasons, starting with their charitable inclinations and their values, but also mm-hmm. there can be tax tax benefits, and we can discuss those. We we also work with donors to figure out strategically how best to spend their charitable dollars. Mm -hmm. We have tools and resources we can bring to the table that will help with research. So if you're interested in a particular cause, say early childhood development in a particular geography, let's take Boston, Mm -hmm. we have resources that we can we can do research to find organizations that might fit that those criteria mm-hmm. and then drill down into, okay, do these align better with my values? Who's the best organization? So we can support that kind of research. And we can also help connect donors. So what we find is that yeah. many donors yeah. and foundations appreciate working together with, with others. Some like to go alone, but others like to say, hey, I'm a big donor, you're a big donor. What are you working on? What are you thinking? What are some organizations that you enjoy giving to and, and engaging with and how can we collaborate uh, t- together to learn from each other and make more impactful donations. I see. Okay. Well, then, so based on what you just said, it sounds to me like that's that's a subject for another whole podcast. We can do a whole other podcast. Oh, excellent. Great. Well, then, <laughs> I already know I'm going to have you back. That's that's fantastic. So now, who's a good referral source for you, Chris? Right. Well, the the people that have the most direct responsibility for an endowment fund or a foundation are going to be the investment committee, the board of directors, the trustees mm-hmm. who are responsible for managing. So if, if you if you sit on a charitable board and you, you wonder whether your endowment fund or your foundation assets are, are invested appropriately, more than happy to have that conversation. Or if you know someone who sits in that position, it could also be senior staff. I mentioned executive directors, finance directors often are very involved in, in that. The other thing is estate planning attorneys. So if you have clients who are thinking about what to do at the how to dispose of their assets at the end of their life, many clients choose charitable strategies, again, for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. their values and also tax reasons. And we we can help consult in those ways. And and you mentioned the inheritance scenario mm-hmm. where you receive an inheritance and maybe there's an opportunity to think more charitably than you were able to in the past. We, we can certainly be a resource there. I see. Okay, very good. So now I know that you know, apart from speaking to your clients and going out on the, the, you know, the speaking circuit, that you've also authored um, a couple of articles on your company's website. One of them in particular is called Building the Right Endowment Portfolio. Is that correct? Yeah, and that one goes through the, the process that we undertake with a, with a new client to mm-hmm. fully understand the organization holistically before we recommend any investments. Okay, so, so then they should probably read this article before engaging your services so everybody comes to the table completely aware of what's involved and dedicating that kind of time. Time, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. All right. So now, how can board members, treasurers non- of nonprofits, a- anybody else who's involved in charitable giving, how can they f- how can they find you? <laughs> Thank you. Well, our, our website is fiduciary-trust.com, mm-hmm. and my email is cshepler at fiduciarytrust.com. So, Chris, thank you so much for sharing all of that information. I think every single word you said was supremely valuable. Thank you very much for the privilege of your time today and sharing all of that with us. I'd love to have you back on the show. I meant that sincerely. So 
Are you game? Thanks, Kim. I'd love to be back. Okay, great. Thank you. Well, before we conclude, everybody, I would like to thank my producer, David Yass of the Boston Podcast Network, for making this show available on podcast outlets everywhere. I'm Kim Calvey, the host of Communication Commandments and the owner of Boston Edits. You can find me by Googling Boston Edits, spelled just like it sounds. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Thank you. Have a great day.